Well, you turn in your Bible with me to the book of Job. Or, you know, if you just came in to Job, however you like it, hallelujah. Now, the Lord spoke to my heart about 10 or 12 days ago, and he told me this. The last word standing is doing the commanding. And so I said, we'll find out what that means. Job chapter 22, are you there? Verse 28, look in verse 28. I'm in the King James, but I want you to read it with me. Say it with me. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. I'm telling you that thing is powerful right there. It says there you'll decree a thing, it'll be established, and when you decree, after you decree, after you say what God has said, he's talking there about the path, the light, the way will open up. A lot of times people want to see it before they say it. But he said you'll have to decree it by faith. You'll have to speak it out of your faith. And then the light of how to carry it out, how it's going to happen, will shine on you. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. The last word standing is doing the commanding. Here we see the Lord teaching Abraham how to operate in faith. And he talks about himself. He tells Abraham in verse 17, he's fixing to school him because he's got a job for him to do. God is working the covenant back in. He's working a way for the Messiah to come back into the earth. He's trying to get something where he can get the Messiah back in to redeem us from Adam's fall. And so he's having to work with natural men that do not have the Holy Ghost on the inside. And he has to work past one generation. He's got to get something that'll stand past daddy knowing it, mama knowing it. Got to get the kids to know it and pass on to their kids. And in verse 17, he said to Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, raises the dead, resurrects the dead. And then here's another attribute of God, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And literally in the Greek it means, and calleth those things being not as though they were being. He's talking about how we have to say something when we don't see it to have it. I brought my little VCR remote here, and I'm just telling y'all, this thing works. Turned on my VCR this morning. Now I'll hit this power button. See that little bulb right there? I've got the power button down. Anybody see anything? <laughs> no, not the bulb. Do you see it light up? <laughs> i got a school to help here. Hallelujah. <laughs> but this thing's got infrared technology. Infrared. You can't see infrared with your eyes. But I guarantee you, light is coming out of this, and when you get it in front of the right machine, it'll turn the movie on, it'll turn the movie off, it'll get you to chapter 7, it'll mute, it'll do all sorts of stuff. But you can't see it, but it's happening. So God called the things that be not. How surprised should we be? How amazed would we be that there would be things that could happen that were beyond our being able to touch them or even see them, but they'd be real? Are you ever amazed that sound can come through glass, that light can come through glass, and yet you can't put your hand through glass? Amen. So we got to talk to things. That's the whole thing. The last word standing is doing the commanding. We got to start talking to things. Did you know if you had a car for sale, and eventually you'll probably have a car for sale, you can talk to that car. You can tell that car, car, you are beautiful. You are the perfect color for somebody. 
The CD player is just what somebody's looking. The moonroof is exactly how somebody's looking. The bumpers, the wheels, the tires. Car, you are comely to somebody. I command you to be sold in Jesus' name. Did you know that car is going out of your life? Well, how could that be? I'm telling you it is so. Now, if you just tell God, Lord, you know I need to sell this car. Did you know you won't establish a thing? You can decree to Lord, Lord, you know I need the money. Lord, you know I need this thing to sell for $1,800, and it moves nothing in the spirit realm. But if you'll talk to the car and tell the car you are a blessing to somebody, somebody wants you. I'm putting you up for sale so somebody can be blessed and me in the, in the process. And that car will do what you say. Say what I say. That's exactly right. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The last word standing is doing the commanding. We've not given proper weight and value to our words. Why? Because they're common. Because everybody uses them. Because it's just a familiar way of life. It is routine beyond words. We coach our children. Come on, say mama, say daddy, say nanny. You know, we want them to talk from as early as possible. And so we're so familiar with that. But our words are powerful. They are powerful. Not just the words that do what you want them to do, but words that you speak in ignorance or in evil, if it could be some men would do so that uh, you utter out of your mouth, they will obey you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, what are we hoping for? Well, I'm hoping that the promises that God gave are coming to pass. What are you hoping for? That's what I'm using my faith on, is that the promises that God has made to me will come to pass. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. So just because you can't see it, now this thing will work that VCR. It'll turn it left and right. It'll do all sorts of amazing things. It's got more buttons on here than you can push in a two-hour movie. Hallelujah. But it won't change anything in your life. But the hope of glory that's inside of you, most absolutely and surely will. So if we only go by what we can see, if we only go by what we can touch, if we can only go by what is manifest or revealed to these five senses, we're going to live in a very natural state of life. We're not going to experience God because God is a spirit, and he can only be contacted and will only relate to you in the spirit realm. Could I have a better amen? He is not talking to you in the natural realm. That thing about putting out a fleece that they did in the old covenant, it's not your life. If you put out a fleece, guess what will (laughs) happen? You'll get fleeced. He's not talking to you on the natural. Now, he did in the old covenant, and you can show me scripture and verse, but Jesus came and changed everything. Jesus was the great interruption to the old covenant. He upgraded everything, and now what was on the outside, what was natural, what had to be in the sense realm is no longer God's way of doing business. He's going to talk to you on the inside. He's going to tell you on the inside, and faith is going to believe what's on the inside more than it relates to what's on the natural or the routine part on the outside. And we have to all make that transition because what we feel and what we've experienced and what we know has got to go to the side of what the Word of God says and what we believe God's intention is for us. That's what faith is all about. People will tell you, carte blanche, oh, I got faith. 
that what they mean is, is they think something's going to happen. They have an expectation of something going to happen, but they don't have a basis for it except just their experience and what somebody told them, well, how they feel. God's not going to relate to you in the feeling realm. Woo, I just feel like God's on me all over. You may feel that, but it has nothing to do with nothing. He can be all over you, and you just feel like a brick. I've laid hands on people, and, and I thought they felt like a brick. You know, just lay hands on them and speak the word, and nothing happened in the feeling realm. Lawrence, just sit there, and they look like they didn't get nothing, and you felt like you gave nothing, and then, you know, come to church the next time. Woo, I got healed, I got delivered, I got set free, and you didn't feel a thing. <laughs> on the other hand, you'll have people that you'll speak to them or lay hands on them, and they'll take a lap, you know, and next week they'll say, oh, pastor, pray for me, nothing happened. Well, we got to get it over there. You know that what we always say, you can't take your weight with a thermometer and you can't find out what your temperature is with scales. They measure, but they are unrelated. You can't understand God's plan for your life by feelings with the sense realm. This is important. We just got to get out of this and get over there. Well, I just don't feel spiritual. It has nothing to do with anything. You've been made spiritual if you're born again. You are spiritual. God is wanting to relate to you. You are the king of his attention. You are the queen of what he is looking for. His focus is on you. He's not looking to all the trouble in China and all the needs over in Russia and all the trouble. Oh, God, I hate to bother you. He is waiting on the edge of his seat to communicate and receive and fellowship with you alone. You are the only one in the room when he comes, when you go to him and when he comes. He hadn't got another thought. You've got his full attention. I'm telling you, I'm in love with God. How about y'all? I'm telling you, he's good all the time. Praise God. Second Peter, slip over there. You're right there. Go east a book or two. If we have real evidence in a court of law, they will accept it. Well, I'm telling you this morning, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It is evidence. God considers it proof. That his word is being manifest and revealed to you. But there may not be anything corresponding in the natural realm. There may not be any affirmation, anything that you can look to and say, I think it's coming because here's happening and this is happening. It may be just as dead as a desert as far as what's going on in the natural realm, but you've got God's word. God's promised you. And faith has rose up, and it is the substance, it is the reality, it is the bookmark, as it were, the guarantee, the assurance that what God has said has been transferred to you. And though your eyes and your feelings and your hearing and your experience might not have any corresponding action concerning that, you just have no idea how it's going to come, you have no inkling, nevertheless, it is speeding towards your life. It is moving in the unseed realm, and it will pop up like a seed out of the ground, and there it'll be. Working underground, working behind the scenes, no evidence, but there it'll be. You'll think it just happened suddenly, but it's been working from the time you sent it with your faith. Woo, thank you, Lord, for a better way. Hallelujah. Well, that's why everybody's wanting to escape this world and go into heaven. That's why they sing those songs about someday we'll cross the Jordan and it'll be okay over there. But I'm telling you, faith over here is the same as living over there. You can have days of heaven over here if you're getting God's word and getting faith the same as over there. You won't need faith over there. It's done. But over here, you can have God's faith working in your life. 
And it'll be the same as over there. You'll say, well, yeah, but over here we have a devil. Well, he's under my feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, okay, having no devil in heaven and having one under your feet over here, probably the same. Well, we got sickness over here. By his stripes I was healed. So I just go ahead and say that's days of heaven. I mean, if I'm healed or if I'm in heaven and don't have trouble, what's the difference? Or you say, but over here we have lack and need. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that he made me rich. Jesus became poor that I through his poverty, substitution that I through his poverty might be made rich. Well, I just don't believe that, and I just don't like that, and I just don't think that. You don't have to worry about it. It will not be a concern. It will not trouble you. Life will not be interrupted by that rich stuff. Struggle will be still in your path. Lack will be all over. You will still be just trying to get it together. But as for me in my house, I'm going to lay hold of the Word of God. And it says that in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 says, according, according as his divine power, his divine power is quite a bit of power. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. How, God, how, God, are you going to move heaven into my life? Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What's going to be there? That we might be partakers, say partakers, of the divine nature. So how's God going to get heaven to you? He's going to give you his great and precious promises. But you notice that word partakers, that's a verb. He doesn't just give them to you because they're in the Bible. Well, by his stripes, ye were healed is in the Bible. Well, why are Christians sick? Because they haven't been a partaker. They didn't put an action to the great and precious promises so they could have his divine life, so they could have his power flowing into them. You got to be a partaker of the promises. And partaking doesn't mean you just believe them. Well, I believe, but where is it? We're going to talk about how the last word standing is doing the commanding. There's going to have to be something coming out of your head, out of your heart, out of your mouth that confirms I have received what God has said, that I'm a partaker. I'm a partaker. Say it with me. I'm a partaker. James chapter 5 talks about the prayer of faith that will save the sick. Well, you got to know what the will of God is to pray the prayer of faith. You can waller a prayer out. Well, Lord, just give them grace to bear the pain. Lord, be with the family as this cancer ravages as my dear brother. Well, you know, that might not be the will of God to pray those prayers. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It's not a great and precious promise. So there's not going to be a faith that's inside of you to access that. You're going to have to access it according to the word of God. And the partaker part is, is you're going to speak some things. You're going to speak some things. Well, we as a people don't like to speak that much. We don't like to call things that be not. We like to report. Observe and report. John Q. Christian reporting the state of the world. Lord, it's bad down here. <laughs> I'm having trouble up to my ears. Lord, how are we going to get out of this mess? Hallelujah. Doesn't it just make you want to hit somebody when they get on TV and talk about an act of God? Just can't seem to get to them. 
to knock them down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 before I get off on something here. Hallelujah. It says in verse 2, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed. How did God frame the worlds? Well, God is God. He just, he just did it. God's God. He can do anything he wants to, so he just did it. No, the Bible says that God created by his words. So this must not be just a people thing, or this thing where it's little us and big God. It must be the system of God. It must be how God wants it all to work. Listen, when God commands you and I through the Lord Jesus, example in Luke chapter 6, to forgive those that despitefully use us, then God himself has to forgive you when you and I despitefully use him. It's not just his word to us. You little heathens down there better forgive. God has to forgive us if he expects us, if he commands us, if he says there's something inside of us that can forgive others, he's got to act out on that same line. So when I repent, it's done. Because he wouldn't ask me, a just God couldn't ask me to forgive somebody and then hold the grudge on me. Remember stuff I did and didn't do. And I've done some stuff. How about you? (laughs) I mean, hallelujah, turned it upside down and had to go back to him and say, Lord, you know I said I'd never do it again, but here I am reporting that I did it again. But I confess it and get it out of my life. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. And now I'm empowered by love to go forgive somebody. Well, that's extra, but what we're talking about here is that God causes us to live by the same set of rules and laws that he himself has lived by. Now you say, but God can do anything. That's true, he could. But he limited himself. He set the rules in and said, here's how we're going to do business. Here's how it's always going to be and it's never going to be different. We're going to do it by speaking words. He said, it'll hide it from the foolish. The heathen will never figure it out. But it'll be something I can publish and everybody will look at it. But only those that have my heart that are in faith will be able to say, hey, I can do this. It seemed foolish when I was a heathen, when I was a sinner. But now I'm spirit-filled. Now God's in me. Now the love of God's working in me. I can speak to the mountain. I'll talk to my finances. I'll tell sickness. Here's what you're going to do, buddy. You're out of here. I'll tell it. The mountain will move. Well, you couldn't do that when you was a sinner, even though it probably in some dimension uh, it, it, it works for the sinner. The Jews have known it, even though they're not born again. They've known how to do things, and they've got wealth in their life by working these principles, I mean. Hebrews 11.2 says, Though faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Well, does that mean God made something out of nothing? No, he made things out of his faith. Therefore, I can make things out of my faith. Say my faith. So you got the same ability as God. Now, he's not asking you to create a new earth and a moon and all that sort of stuff, but he wants you to furnish this one. He wants you to take his promises and to believe them and speak them and bring glory to him. Genesis, we're not going to go there, but you know how the Lord said, light be, in chapter 1. He said, light be. But you know, a lot of religious folks back then, if they'd been observing, if they'd been looking in, they would have said, 
quit calling things that be not as though they were. It's dark down here. And they're never going to fall for this principle. They're never going to call things by design things that be not as though they were. But I'll tell you, it's working for everybody, whether they know it or not. We're calling things that be not as though they were all the time. People are always saying, my check runs out before a month, however that goes, you know. (laughs) They're always saying something negative. They're always talking things. It's coming to pass. It's working perfectly. The system you're operating in was designed perfectly to give you the result you're experiencing. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying those things. Yes, you are. I'm not saying I'm poor. Yes, you are. If you don't have anything, if you don't have what you think you should have and what you believe God's promised and you don't have it, it's your fault. It's your fault. Point to yourself and say, my life is my fault. Well, if it's not going like you want, it's your fault. We're in a continual state of upgrade. I'm continually upgrading my life. How about you? Things now are better for me than they've ever been. How about you? I mean, this is so cool. The biggest challenge to this gospel that we're preaching is that people will have something so much better than they've ever had and just not want to give up that good thing and say, we're going to stay right here. We're not going to go forward. We must go forward. As good as it is, how much better it is than it was, it's still better out there. God's got more. I know you're paying your bills now, and I know you got a better car than you ever had, and I know things are going better, but he still wants you more. He wants you healed to be a healer, not just healed. He wants you prosperous, not just to get your bills paid, but so you can go out and minister prosperity to others. That's what he wants. But we kind of build a fence around some things and say, good enough. This will get me to the end. Hallelujah. When God said, light be, what did he want for his man? In verse 28, he said, let us make man in our own image. Give him dominion over things, over all the earth. So how are we going to do it? We're going to do it just like God did it. He said, light be, guess what we're going to do? We're going to say, prosperity be, healing be, blessings be. Well, I don't really want to do that. You know, God will love you just as much, and you'll be in his heaven if you're born again just as much as if you moved every mountain that come down the line or if you sat in the shadow of every mountain that ever was. He'll love you, and there is no condemnation, and you are his favorite still, and there will be nothing there that you'll ever know that he's upset with you, but you will not finish your course. You will not be fulfilled inside. You will not be a blessing to others. You'll still be having to just struggle in your own life, but you will go to heaven. But you know, that's not enough anymore. We know enough now that going to heaven's not enough. Thank God we are. But now let's move on. Let's move on from going to heaven. How many of y'all going to heaven with me? Woo, we are going. Train load out of Tuscaloosa. But I tell you, when we look back on our way up, we're going to see what our faith did. We're going to see a mark on this earth that changed people for his glory. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So how's man going to have dominion like God had dominion? We're going to have dominion just like he did. We're going to take his word and speak it. I said, how are you going to get your life out of a rut? You're going to take his word and speak it. So you're getting the word this morning, but you hadn't spoke it yet. You'll have to speak it. Will there be some challenges? Yea, verily. I was a sinner. Everybody in here would agree we were all sinners at one point. The Bible says about Jesus in verse 21, he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, 
Who knew no sin? Let's say it together. Jesus knew no sin. Well, he then was qualified in some dimension to help me. Because God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why, Lord, why did you go to the cross? Why did this happen? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Well, I'll tell you this morning. Poor old sinners saved by grace struggle with sin. Well, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. Well, they struggle with sin. And people that uh, won't accept God's wealth, his riches, his supply, his full measure, they struggle with money. Even though 2 Corinthians 9 said, he was made poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. People that are sick, that struggle with who they are, they don't see themselves like God sees them. How does God see you in your physical body? He sees you totally well. Well, don't you have eyes up there? Didn't you hear what the doctor said? Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know how I feel? Are you deep? You, can you got a brain up there, God? Nobody says that, but they're all thinking it. No, he sees you. He's not down there pity partying with you and going, oh, it's bad, it's so bad. He sees you totally well. Why? Because he sees you in the same state that he who knew no sin, he who knew no sickness, he who knew no lack became the curse of this world, that you through the curse of the world might be made rich, might be made righteous, might be made prosperous. So we're going to have to call some things that be not. Help me, church. We're going to have to call some things that be not as though they were. Be not in the sense of evidence. We hadn't seen our bank account float up. We hadn't seen these symptoms leave. We hadn't seen the kinfolks, you know, get nice. (laughs) We're going to have to call some things. We're going to have to speak some things. We're going to have to declare the promise in front of the evidence. We can't wait till we feel better and say, Woo, I'm healed. Well, any fool can say that. It doesn't take a a rocket anything to say, I feel good, I must be good. But what it takes is faith to say, I feel good, and there's nobody agreeing in your body. You want people to know because you might get a handout. We're having a hard time since we lost our job and since they cut back and since we took in this bill and the kids went to college. We want people to know in a sort of funny way that we don't have plenty, and if you want to give, it's okay. Instead of just saying, I am well supplied. All is well. I am full and overflowing. Because we got this thing, this little thing that just says, yeah, but somebody might want to hear my story, and if I tell them I'm okay and everything's well, they wouldn't want to give. I'm telling you God knows. And I'm telling you God's talking to things and people. When you talk to things and people, he talks to things and people. Whatever you bind on earth, heaven takes over. And so you can't know all the avenues that God wants to bless you. You need to get on the victory side. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made. Say, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm healed. I'm full and supplied. The life of God dominates me. That's who you are. That's who we are. Feelings are like trying to take your temperature on the bathroom scales. And if you weigh over 98 pounds, you're going to get a wrong reading. (laughs) Woo, I got a fever of 199. (laughs) 500 degrees. (laughs) 
think I better take my temperature. Hallelujah. It's crazy. <laughs> stick that stick in your mouth and say, glory, 98 pounds is all I am. <laughs> no, honey. You big as a truck just like you was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble for that. I'm already telling you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Proverbs 18:21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the hurricane. No. Are in the financial resources of the government. Did they come quick enough? Well, we have death here because of the government. No. My job's just not paying enough. No. It's in your mouth. It's in your tongue. It's in your head. It's coming out of your heart. We got to work on this thing, which then by default, automatically, cannot, cannot be denied. When you get it in your heart, your mouth will say. You don't have to work on confession. It is hooked up. It is inextricably connected to your heart. And when you believe it on the inside, you will say it. Now, you may out of your head have to say some things that you don't really have down here just to get your head to hearing it so that it becomes common and easy for you. But it's only when it comes out of the heart that it moves the mountain. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. My future, your future, is not in somebody else's mouth. Will y'all pray for me? Well, honey, have you prayed? No, I trust y'all's prayer. My future is not in your mouth. It's in your mouth. Your future is in your mouth. And we can pray up a storm. We can gather the saints and have a holy circle and kumbaya and woo. We're just calling on God and sing. We're feeling the spirit. And then pastor gets up and just waves his arm. Ooh, I'm feeling that. Ooh, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling like we're fixing to get a blessing. No, no, no. Your future's in your mouth. The word's coming out of your mouth. What's detailing your future? We can know the future. Matter of fact, if I just listen to you for 30 minutes, which I do, <laughs> I can tell you your future. I'm telling you, I am 100% unless you change what you say. But you can't change what you say until you change what's going into your heart. The mouth is going to tell on the heart. Do you have a fever? Put this little red stick in your head, and we'll tell you what your temperature is. Do you have faith operating? Just let me listen to your words. Yeah. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty three. are you there? We've done all this a hundred times, but we're going to do it this morning and get strong, get the post put in, and not go back from there. Mark eleven twenty three. let's read it together. I'm in King James. Do the best you can. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, there's just a lot here. been days preached on this scripture, and we're not going to try this morning, but here's the point. It's not just talking about what you saith to the mountain. That word saith, right thereafter, believe those things which he saith, talks about conversational saying. It's not just when you stand, and you ought to stand in front of the mountain and tell the mountain, I have come for you. 
I have been empowered by God Almighty and by the name of Jesus and his great and precious promises, and you've been in my way. And it is against the will of God for you to be in my way. And you begin to tell the mountain, get out of my way in Jesus' name. And that's the first step. You can't go there. You're not going to go anywhere else. But that's not the end of it. The end of it is what you say the next day. When you tell your finances to be increased in Jesus' name, when you tell your body to respond to you in Jesus' name and be healed and made whole, that's the first day. But there's always a Tuesday going to come after Monday. And so Tuesday, we're going to have to say conversationally what we said deliberately where you holler at it. You got your emotions in there. You are sick and tired of being sick and tired, so to speak. You are on it. You've been stirred up, and you've been in the Word, and you heard somebody, and you're on it. But on Tuesday, when nobody's around, and you and that mountain are all alone, because it's sitting there sticking its tongue out at you and said, I didn't move. It did. I said it did, but it wants to come back. And since you can't tell by the evidence of your eyes, by the evidence of the senses that it left, then it can come back in the sense of showing up in that realm. And if you don't know that it's gone, if you don't know it's been dealt with, you will say it had come back. So conversationally, you just have to say, Woo, on Tuesday, it's so good to be healed. It's so good my bills are paid. Oh, the Lord has delivered me. I've been set free. The last word, standing, is doing the commanding. Well, we looked there in, in uh, Job, and he said there that thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established in you, and the light shall shine on your ways. Well, once you declare, once you stand to the mountain, immediately a plan comes to sustain you and keep you strong. So you got to get into that plan. The light's going to shine on your way. You speak to the mountain, you don't know how the money's going to come. You can't call Uncle Jack and say, <coughs> feeling okay over there, <laughs> rich uncle? No, we can't do that. What are we going to do? The light's going to have to shine on our way. He's going to have to give us more verses. He's going to have to give us friends and a place to go and a sanctuary in the sense of the brotherhood to keep us strong. We can't go hang out with the people that have what we did have and expect to be strong because they're full of doubt and unbelief. So the last word, whatever you said last is going to be doing the work. So on Tuesday, if you say, I'm sick, it didn't work, then that word all of a sudden kicks the good word out of the driver's seat and it's driving you back towards where you came from. Amen. The last word standing. Right. Well, Lord, I meant the word I said on Monday to be the word that I'm operating on, but I told Aunt Lulu, yeah, you know, I, it's worse than it was Monday. And, you know, it looks like we're going under. And it looks like the boss came in this morning and said, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to keep you. And you start telling everything on Tuesday, and the last word standing is doing the commanding. Romans chapter 10. You know, we got to quit saying words that cripple our faith. This coarse jesting that we do in America, and I suppose all people do, where we just joke about things. We joke about it's hard because we're just wanting to be with everybody else. They say it's hard, and we don't want to say, it's not hard for me. I'm blessed of God. The promises are working for me. The mountain moves. I'm the head and not the tail. I always triumphant. You know, that's just not real conducive to more fellowship. <laughs> with the world, I mean. You know, they want you to say, well, you know, how are you doing? Well, just like y'all, just, you know, and let me just tell you something y'all didn't mention. It's worse than you even thought. And so we get in there. You've got to cut that out. Now, you can go to heaven, and you can do that all your life. There's millions and millions of people that will, that just live a hell-bent life on the earth, and they're going to heaven. 
but they were under the curse, had no deliverance from the curse that's in the earth, and it was just like them. They couldn't get their stuff done. They couldn't get the judge to work for them. Their exes were just the same kind of thing. If you want to live above that, you've got to have something in your head, something in your mouth. In Romans chapter 10, we know this scripture. It's how people get saved. It says in verse 9 that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, say my heart. See, believing means there is a uh, conviction. Believing doesn't mean that you could be persuaded or, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. And so, yeah, you say Jesus can save me. I'm sure up for that. That's not how people get saved. Now, when I was being raised up, lots of people were getting saved under the guise of just not wanting to go to hell. The pastor would get up and preach this hellfire thing. And, man, nobody wanted to go there. So everybody was getting so-called saved. But, you know, it's not what you did on Sunday. It's what you had on Monday. So there has to be something down in here. You've got to be schooled into faith. You've got to have something that gives you a conviction that says, it's not just that I don't want to go to hell. Where's the door to this heaven place? It's that you've got something inside. And here it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The connotation there is from the dead for you. From the dead for what you did. If he who knew no sin became sin, that you might be made. I've been made righteous. People that get saved but don't get righteous never know they got saved. They have to be saved over and over and over in their own head. In other words, they live as sinners. They believed in God. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that what he did changed their today. It just changed a someday. And people in America, if not all over the world, are great procrastinators to say, we'll deal with that someday. We'll deal with that heaven thing down the road. It's not a heaven issue. It's a who you are in Christ issue. Who you are in Christ. Who are you right now? If you confess him as Lord now, you must be changed now. Because we don't want heaven to come knocking on the door and say, Woo, you got saved yesterday. Coming to heaven tomorrow. No, we want to live a few more days. So it says in verse 9 that he shall be saved. He shall be saved. That if you believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, verse 10, for with the heart. Now, he's telling the mechanics. He gives a broad statement in verse 9, and then in verse 10, he gives us the mechanics. He said, for, that means let me explain this, tell you what went on behind the scenes. Here's what it looks like. You believe in your heart, you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Behind the scenes, verse 10 for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now listen, when you get saved, your heart believes. It is not your head. And if your heart didn't believe, even though your head did, you didn't get saved. You didn't get born again. You've got to believe in your heart. And we can tell if you did on Monday. Well, not really usually on Monday, because the flesh is there and the, the same things are there. But we can look at you over a while and we can say, you know, you got saved. Or we can look at you and say, <laughs> you had an emotional experience. But besides all that, verse 10 tells us, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean? Salvation here is not talking about getting saved. Salvation here is talking about getting delivered, getting healed, getting set free from poverty and lack. All the things that are under the curse, he said, with the mouth, confession is made unto the things of this world. 
Victory in the world is made not when you believe in your heart, but when you say with your mouth. So just because the promises, the great and precious promises say, by his stripes you were healed, if you don't say it, even though you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you don't say, by his stripes I am healed, then healing will be elusive to you. This word confession is made means, it means to say the same thing as another that is to agree. So when we are confessing with our mouth, we are saying what God says. That means I can't say what I feel. I got some thoughts on it. How about you? When you feel bad, do you have some thoughts on it? Do you have an opinion about how you feel? Can you measure pain in your body? Can you measure the cough? Can you measure the headache? We can measure it. And when we measure stuff, we like to tell somebody, this headache is killing me. You can't say that. (laughs) Because the last word standing is doing the commanding. Death all of a sudden is working on your head. So we got to get our heart born again, which we are, but we got to get our mouth unto salvation. It means to say the same thing as another. It, now, here's it. This is it. I looked, found this. It means not to refuse. So he said here in verse 10, and with the mouth, I will not refuse salvation. So we got to accept salvation. Say, I'm rich. See, the Bible says you're rich. I didn't say you're rich. I can tell you where the Scripture says you're rich. It says it all over the Bible. But the Bible says that he made you rich. But I don't think most of you in here feel rich. There may even be some religious training on you that says, it's not right for me to be rich. But you're wrong. (laughs) I don't think Christians ought to say they're rich. But the Bible says you've been made rich. If it's not the church, who? And if it's not now, when? Well, there's lots of stuff going on. Yes, that's why we have to have faith in the Word because nothing lines up in the sense realm. So with the heart, man believeth unto salvation, being born again. But with the mouth, confession, agreement, refusal to deny is made by confession. If I'll work the Word, I'll put the world's pressures, which are common to man, The Bible says they're common demand. The world's pressures. You cannot be saved and say, "Woo, no more pressure from the world. If anything, you got a big bullseye on your back, and the devil says, you know, we need to knock this enthusiasm for being a Christian. We need to knock it out. So he just loads you up, and, you know, we don't feel good, and our bills didn't. So we got to get past that, don't we? We got to put the pressure that's on the world and put it on the word. On the word. You know, most churches, you know how they want to deal with the pressure with with the world? They want you to pray for them. Pray for me. The pressure is on me. But that's not how it happens. Oh, the church loves to pray in unscriptural ways. Oh, the church has deified and idolatrized prayer. That if somebody in this room that's more spiritual than me will say something, it doesn't matter what, then God is obligated to come down and help. And that's just not so. Your future's in your mouth. And the last word standing out of your mouth is doing the commanding. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what is the last word standing? That's what's operating right now. Right now, you may not have thought about finances in a week or two. And the last thing you said two weeks ago, when they docked your hours or cut you or something, you went and said, it's never enough. I never have enough. 
and you just stomped around and, you know, talked about the boss in the company, and then you took off, and nothing's been said to challenge that word of we never have enough. And the last word standing is still out there plowing your field. We don't have enough, and it's sure enough it isn't enough. So guess what? Every day we have to do. We got to get up and get a new man standing, a new word standing, a new verse standing. We got to get up and affirm, this is what's working for me, and it will not fail. It will not fail.